Reb Hillel was known to be extremely careful with the smallest detail in halacha or minhagim. And a lot of times his fellow Hasidim would ask him, why are you so careful about this little thing when even the Rabbeim are not careful about it? And he would say that the whole purpose of this conduct, this way of acting, is to refine myself in order to be able to better understand a word of Hasidus. So we're now going to go through a whole list of things that he was very, very careful about. Once, when Rebilla was in Lubavitch, the skies were very dark for days at a time, as was the normal case in the winter. And when the last day arrived for that month of when you could say Kiddush Levana, there was no moon. What? There was no moon. Meaning, meaning it was covered with clouds. And the pillow handed a pan to the Rebbe, the Tzemach Sedek, and the pan re- basically requested that the moon should be visible so that he and everyone else could do the mitzvah properly. And the Rebbe answered, you're going to be able to see the moon. And, and coming out of the Rebbe's room, his face was shining with happiness. And when, when, when he was asked why he was so happy, he said, well, the Rebbe just promised me that I'm going to be able to fulfill the mitzvah of Kiddush Levana properly. And he then asked a few younger guys who were students, he said, I want you to stand outside and let me know when the clouds you know, disappear so I could say Kiddush Levana. A few hours later, it's the middle of the night, they finally see the moon, they run into the hill, and coming outside, he saw that Taka, the moon, was a little bit visible. But it wasn't completely clear and shiny. And he turns to the, the younger guys and he says, Thank you for informing me, but I'm not making a bracha right now. And, and like, like, not happening. So the students were shocked. Uh, they, they could see that the clouds were about to come back and cover the moon. And this was the last night to make Kiddush Levana. It wasn't like, you know, because the problem was that the moon was still a little bit tiny covered with clouds. So really you're allowed to do it, B'dyeved, if you see it like that. As long as you could see the, the, the moon itself through the clouds. Uh, um, but he said, Reb looks at his students and he said, Listen, the Rebbe guaranteed me that tonight <clears throat> I'm going to be able to, there's going to be a moon that I can make a brach on. And, and if the Rebbe tells me that, that means it's going to be a completely clear moon with nothing blocking it. The Rebbe would never tell me that it's a B'dyeved moon. That's not what the Rebbe would give me. And he told them, okay, you guys stay outside. Keep, keep watching. I'm going to go back inside to continue learning. Right before Eloise HaShachar, right before dawn in the morning, the moon comes out. Clouds are gone. It's shining beautifully. <clears throat> the men rush in and, and the, to tell the pillow and he thanks them. And they go outside, they do the mitzvah. So afterwards, he tells the students, years ago, when I was much younger, there was an entire month that there was no clear moon. Now then I had, it was a lot of agmas nefesh for me. It was, it was painful that I wasn't able to make Kiddush Levana that month. Then I had the strength for that. But now, 
I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm older, and I think the pain of not being able to say Kiddush Levana, uh, I don't know if I would have survived. On another occasion, the villa was invited to a wedding. It took place on a cloudy night, which also that night was the last night for Kiddush Levana. And going up to the chassan, the villa said, I wish to request something of you. However, before I say my request, I want you to promise me that you're going to do it. Now imagine if someone came to you and said that. I, I'm going to ask something, but I want you to promise you're going to do it, but you're not allowed to know what it is before you promise. So, uh, the chassan had no idea what the tzaddik, like Reb Hillel, uh, would ask, but he gave his word. And Reb Hillel said, listen, the chassan say that the chassan is compared to a king. They also tell us that the law is that when a king gives a command to move something, even if it's a mountain, you move it. Now please go outside for a minute and decree that the clouds should move aside. And fulfilling his promise, to fulfill, he told Rabilo, I'm going to do whatever you say. So the chas was like, <laughs> this is never going to work. Right, he goes outside and he tells the clouds, move aside! And to his and everyone else's astonishment, all of a sudden the clouds move aside and it's a beautiful, clear moon. In the second week of Tammuz, another story, Hillel once visited the home of a Jewish gardener and honored to have such a hush of a guest, Hillel Parcher. He asked Hillel what he would like to eat. So Hillel said, well, the three weeks are about to start in a few days. Now today, unlike during the three weeks, I'm allowed to make a shechionu. Could you please go to the garden and bring me a melon that's ripe? And the, the, the host was like, um, I'm a farmer for years. The, the melons are not ripe yet. And the girl said, nah, just go to the garden and and see if at least one is ready. And he goes, honored Rav, I have been taking care of my garden for many years, and right now is not the season for melons to be ready. There's no reason to look for something that's impossible. And Rapillo said, could you please go to the garden and get me a, a nice melon? <laughs> and the garden was like, oh, whatever. He's like, he got up, he says, I'm doing what the Rav asked me to do, but please don't be disappointed if I don't find any ripe melons. And to his utter amazement, he found one ripe melon, beautiful looking. And the people thanks him. He, he asked for a slice, made the bracha, right, brachos, shachianu, and adama. Not sure exactly, it says melon, but a lot of times it's... The translation is not always uh, 100%. But anyways, so the gardener was the one who told us the story. I don't know who the gardener was. But he said that year, there was a surprising amount of uh, melons in my garden. And it must have been because of Reb Hillel's brachas that he made on it. On Erev Shabbos, moving on to the next story. The Rebbe that Samach Sedek requested that Reb Hillel should write a letter about a very important community matter. 
And the pillow says, well, I'll write it on Sunday, because my minig is I don't write letters on Erev Shabbos. Basically, he, there was a whole halacha discussion about are Goyim allowed to carry, if you send a letter, put a letter in the mailbox on Friday, that means some guy is going to come pick it up on Shabbos and move your stuff for you, right? So it was a whole Shiloh. So he, in general, he never sent letters on, on, on Erev Shabbos. So the Rebbe said, listen, normally I wouldn't ask this of you, but because it's so important, it's, the letter has to be sent as soon as possible. And being a chassid, the pillow's like, okay, I'll, I'll write it. Against my minhag. And he gave it to the shamish to put into the mail. He writes the letter, he gives it to a shamish. That night at the Shabbos table, so the, the Tanasadik was sitting with his sons, and he said, You know who won this story? Rabhillo. Because guess what? You should know that the mail carrier forgot Rabhillo's letter in the basket and it wasn't sent. Basically, Hashem arranged things, you know, <laughs> that, 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 that he, he could keep his minhag. Then when uh, next moving on to the next story, when when Rebillo was in the city of Parich, and then then Babreis later, he had a, his own special minion that he would daven with, and anyone who wanted could join the minion. But most people were not ready to daven for hours on a regular weekday, so a normal guy who has a job is not joining Rebillo's minion. Now the Kayan, you needed to have a Kayan for the minion for Aliyah purposes, right? The Kayan of the Minyan was Rav Shalom. And he was very devoted. He was so devoted to the Hillel Parcher that till today he is known as Rav Shalom Rav Hillel's. Like Rav Hillel's Shalom. Rav no, Rav Hillel's person named Shalom, meaning like it, like it was his own. And when Rav Hillel would travel, which was obviously very often, Rav Shalom would leave he had, a, he had a business that he had to take care of. So he would leave his business in the hands of, of his family for those weeks or months. And he would travel with Rabbi wherever Rabbi went. So all the times Rabbi went to Kherson, he went with him. Uh, a student's greatest covet is to serve his teacher. I don't mean a student like you and me. I mean, let's say, a Rebbe and Chassid. I mean, a teacher who teaches you mamish, the, the majority of your Torah. So the greatest thing you could do is serve them. And Taker, Reb Hillel's, all of his students, all of his closest students, they all fought for who gets to serve him and all that stuff. Serve. serve meaning like, if he needs something done, could I bring you a cup of water? Like that. Um, now, and they were all given this opportunity. They took turns. Except, there was one student who never got a turn. And that was Reb Shalom. Reb Shalom Reb Hillel's. And he was very pained about this. It hurt him. And the Rebillo once went over to him and he apologized to him. He said, I'm sorry, I can't let you serve me. I, 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 it, it pains me that you're in pain. Because I, 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 I'm preventing you from having satisfaction. Because I know that you, my dear Shalom, you're upset and hurt that I won't allow you to serve me. But I cannot bring myself to be served by a Kayan, someone who's only supposed to serve in the base of Mikdash. And you were given the power to bench Yidin. How can I allow such a person like that, a Kayan, to serve me? And this is, by the way, a halacha in, uh, in, in Shulchan Aruch. 
that you're not allowed to ask a Kayin to serve you, to do something for you. So, so I had a teacher once, I remember in eighth grade, he would like point it out, he would say, he would, he would say, I, ne- I never asked this boy to get me a cup of water, get me this, get me that, because he's a Kayin. It doesn't make a difference if I, if the Rebbe was, that, that, uh, that Rebbe that we had was probably in his 50s and we were a 14. It doesn't make a difference. Uh, you're not supposed to get a Kayin to... Uh, yeah. So moving on. There was a Fabrengen. There would be a Fabrengen whenever the Hillel would visit the city, any city. Once in the middle of the, the Fabrengen, in a certain city, all the mashka was finished. Someone went home and brought his own homemade mashka. And, uh, you have in, in America during prohibition time when they made alcohol illegal, you had people who made alcohol in their basements, you know? It's called moonshine. Moonshine is like illegal alcohol, homemade. Anyways, there was no tax on it because it's homemade. It was, the government doesn't know about it. And there was a whole discussion going on whether or not you're allowed to drink this drink. And the halach, because halacha says that dinah de machusadina. If there's a law in the country, you have to keep the law. It doesn't make a difference if you don't think it's nice. However, this halacha doesn't, this halacha doesn't apply if it's a law specifically against Yidin. Like if they say only Jews have to pay this tax, then you could try to look for ways how to get out of it. But in general, if, if everyone's treated the same, like the alcohol situation, it doesn't make a difference if you're a Yid or a guy. all alcohol is taxed. So the shaila is, are you allowed to drink this? And some of the people there said, listen, well, it's probably that taka, you have to pay a tax, and therefore technically the halacha is that you shouldn't drink it, but for the sake of the fabrengen, we're going to drink it anyways. And the pillow then said, according to halacha, you're allowed to drink it. Um... Because if it was a legal tax, if it was like a normal type of tax, like by most things, it would have been a little bit higher, a little bit more expensive. However, since in this case, the tax is so many, so much more than what the item itself is worth, that's not a, considered a halachic uh, tax. Um, and, and he said, you're allowed to drink it. However, Abhila himself didn't drink it. Why? Because he said, the fact is, somebody asked a shaila on it and I don't want to have any... Even a suffolk. So even though I think it's fine, I am not going to drink it. So it's known that pillow was extremely careful even with the smallest item in halacha. Chassidim say that since pillow was a Bukhar, he always carried five silver coins to give to any kayan he would meet to redeem himself. And he did this just in case the previous kahanim that he gave it to Maybe they weren't really Kahanim. Maybe they just thought they were Kahanim. Now the Rebbe would point out that there's a very big problem with this story because Reb Hillel, Reb Hillel Halevi Parachur, Levium do not have to do opinion on Ben. So out of the Rebbe's like, I don't know where the story came from. It's like, he, obviously he didn't do opinion on Ben if he doesn't have to. Anyways, moving on. Not only would... Reb Hillel not sit on padded chairs or cushions. He would have them all removed from his house. 
that in whatever house he was staying in. And this way he was sure that no one who came to visit him would sit on them. Why was he careful to do all this? Because of Shatnes. That there was Shatnes there and he, was, he didn't want to... Back then that was a lot more common, I would imagine. And for the same reason, you would think, oh, what's, the, what's the most mahudr type of tzitzis to wear? Shatnes. No. Wool. wool. He wouldn't wear wool tzitzis. And other tzaddikim of that time also wouldn't wear wool tzitzis. Because there was a very big fear at that time that there was shatnes mixed in with it. Now, halachically, your tzitzis are allowed to be shatnes. The problem is that you're not mechuyiv in tzitzis at nighttime. So imagine comes nighttime and you're wearing this pair of tzitzis that has shatnes. You're wearing shatnes and you're getting a you're, you're being over an avera. Um, another thing, Rapillo would also request that all pictures should be removed whenever he entered a house. Um, this is based as a din about making an image. So, according to a few opinions, this is not look around you. Obviously, this is not the halacha. There, there are some people who are careful about this, but most people paskin that a picture is not included in the halacha of making an image. So, Rapillo, however, was very careful about this. So, it once happened that he entered a house, and as was the Minug, all the townspeople gathered there to hear words of inspiration. And Rapillo starts trying to talk, and nothing's coming out. He can't start the mimer. And after trying for some time, he realized that there's something, there's something wrong here. There's something in, 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 uh, there's something stopping him from saying the mimer. So, he turns to one of the young men over there. And he says, Did you, could you search for a picture or some drawing in the house that wasn't taken down, that wasn't removed? And the owner of the house says, Rebbe, you don't have to search. I know you're Minab. Before you came here, I made sure to clear all the pictures out of the house and all the cushions. If Hillel tried again to, to say a mimer, he couldn't do it. He's like stuck. And uh, so everyone, the whole crowd realizes something's wrong and they all start searching the whole house to see what's going on. And after a very thorough search, they discovered a picture hanging on the inside of a door that was open. That's why nobody saw it because it was like opened all the way that it was against the wall. So nobody saw it there because it was mamish. Um, And everyone realized that Hillel was able to sense the picture's presence only through the special he had and once the picture was removed all of a sudden no problem saying the Friedrich Gereb once related that one Shabbos the pillow wouldn't eat the cake that was served and his students saw that there must be you know, ah, there must be a reason for this so they investigated it and they discovered that the cake was from the leftovers of a wedding meal that Abhilo did not go to. And now they understood his actions. They did the Chachamim say, whoever benefits from a, a, wedding, a, a wedding meal without making the Chassan happy, he's over on five lavim. Now, since he didn't bring any happiness to the wedding meal, it's, he said it's forbidden for him to eat from the meal. 
So, I, halachically, I don't know if it means to the leftovers. It means that you can't go to a wedding meal and, and not be mesameach l'chasen. One last story. Most people have a permanent place in shul when they daven, right? It's called a makam kavua. This is my place. And, and wherever it is, and he was careful, being that Rabbi Hillel was always traveling, he was careful that in every shul that he went to every year, he made sure this is where I daven last year, this is where I'm davening this year, even though it's been a whole, you know, seven, eight months since I came here. Once when he came into a shul, he noticed that there were renovations going on since he was last there. And there was a bookcase, like plopped down right in front of the spot where he would daven. So, uh... Noticing that the pillow, he starts taking the svarim off the bookcase. And I'm going to move the bookcase. It's my spot. So, so when, when his students saw what was going on, they didn't like hop that like, that, you know, when you take off the first safer, oh, the pillow's looking at a safer, right? But when he keeps doing it, you realize what's going on. All the students run. Within, within, you know, 30 seconds, all the svarim are off and the bookcase is moved. And, you know, he was very careful about this thing. I know, I know, growing up, you had people, they sat in the same place for 25, 30, 40 years. Same exact location, same spot. It's very careful. To, when you don't have a makam kavua, a, a, a place for davening, you're not going to be davening uh, with, with a settled mind. If you're always moving around, so one of the things that the, the, the Rebbe Rashab writes in Kuntrasat Filo, one of the five preparations for davening, he says, and these are not preparations like what you should be thinking about and all that stuff. Like, like just like clear preparations, stuff you should do. One of them is don't walk around during davening. You stay in one place, you have your mukkum kavua, and that's it. 